Hi, welcome to the RCH Kids Health Info podcast, the podcast for parents about common child health concerns. I'm Dr Anthea Rhodes, paediatrician and your host for today, and joined by my good friend and colleague, Dr Margie Danchin. Good morning, Anth. Today we're going to be talking about common respiratory illnesses, coughs, colds, croup, runny noses. We're in the depths of winter and it feels like we're all living this at the moment. From the Royal Children's Hospital Melbourne, this is the Kids Health Info Podcast. So Margie, it's the depths of winter and it certainly feels like respiratory illnesses, coughs, colds and all those types of things are everywhere at the moment. Yeah, that's right, Anth. And I've recently been working on the wards and have really been surprised just how many young children in particular have been admitted with respiratory viruses. And that, of course, includes COVID and flu, but also another virus called RSV, which we're going to talk about today, and a host of other viruses. And it's a really tough time for parents. This is the third year of the pandemic. They're tired. They're trying to get back into their routines. And kids are constantly sick. And not only that, you know, hospitals and services are overwhelmed. So it's, it's a tough time right now. Absolutely. I know we're, we're living it at home at our place as well. And parents out there are saying to us, is it worse than usual? It feels worse than usual. Are these new or different viruses that we need to worry about? They're not sure how to really decide where to take the child if they're sick. And of course, the question, how can we stop them getting sick in the first place? So joining us today to answer many of these questions, we have a fabulous guest and colleague of ours, Dr. Suzanne Boyce, paediatrician from the Department of General Medicine. Welcome, Suzanne. Thank you, Anthea and Margie, for having me today. So, Suze, tell us what we're actually seeing at the moment uh, in the emergency department and on the wards from your point of view. So, Margie, you touched upon it before. We are seeing lots of different respiratory illnesses caused by lots of different viruses. So we do have RSV, but also other viruses such as enterovirus, COVID, not so much flu at the moment. But these viruses can cause a range of conditions. They can range from a runny nose or a blocked nose to a sore throat or even cause chest infections such as bronchiolitis or pneumonia. And of course, croup is another condition that can be caused by many of these viruses. And we've seen a lot of that with the Omicron variant of COVID. And that's where the airway can be narrowed. Children might have noisy breathing, difficulty breathing. And if parents are interested in learning more about that, they can have a listen to a previous podcast we've done on cough, croup and wheeze. Absolutely. And children generally um, can be affected in different ways. But one of the common ways is that they might not be drinking as much. So they might come to hospital with signs of a respiratory infection or just a bit dehydrated. That's absolutely right. So we look for um, the ability to feed and maybe reduced wet nappies if the child's still in nappies. But also we look at how hard they're working to breathe as well. Mm. So tell us a little bit more about RSV. There has been a lot of discussion about RSV in the media, this sort of perception that it's a new virus that we're seeing um, after COVID. So RSV, or the full name is respiratory syncytial virus, is actually a common respiratory virus in children. And we traditionally see it every year, particularly around winter time. And it can cause a range of conditions, as I've just mentioned, anywhere from runny nose to the more common bronchiolitis as well. But it does seem like we are seeing a lot of it at the moment. Obviously, we track the sorts of viruses that are circulating and what kids are testing positive to um, when they come to the hospital. Is RSV actually the predominant or the most common virus at the moment? At the moment, it is. Um, it's about 40% of our positive viruses at the moment, but not to forget that COVID's still around at about 10 to 15% as well. So about one in 10 children and some children even have both. 
Okay. And Suzanne, you mentioned bronchiolitis just then as one of the um, conditions that can be caused certainly by RSV, but also by some of those other respiratory viruses. Can you explain to parents what that is? Yes, so bronchiolitis is a viral infection of the lungs. So traditionally, it can cause a cough or some trouble breathing. So parents should look out for breathing fast, maybe drawing in between their ribs or under the rib cage, and not being able to feed as well because of that. Okay. And just going back to RSV, which is one of those viruses that we talked about, we, we put a call out on Facebook for, from parents for questions. And one parent asked us, Bess, maybe, Suzanne, you can tell us about how RSV is diagnosed. So RSV is diagnosed on a nose swab where we look for the viruses. We actually really don't need to diagnose RSV because we still treat it the same way that we would any other virus. But because it's also being tested when we run a COVID sample, we're finding it. Okay, so a lot of parents might be listening thinking, I've got a really sick child at home. I've done a few rat tests, they're negative. So, you know, I don't think it's COVID. Maybe it's RSV. And they might be wondering whether they need to go and get a test for that. So for those parents, I would say they don't need to go get a test. They need to look after their child and go to see their GP if they are worried about them. You made a very good point, though, Suze, about you know us not necessarily needing to name the virus. And it's probably worth saying up front that, of course, with viral infections, they don't need to be treated with antibiotics. We treat them the same in general in terms of uh, fluid support if the child isn't drinking well, or we might need to support their breathing if they're working hard with those signs that you mentioned before. And of course, antibiotics may be needed if there's a bacterial component, um, but antibiotics are not used um, in the first instance. But I just wondered if you could reflect a little bit for us why you think we're seeing such a high level of viruses at the moment and perhaps why we're seeing more RSV. That's a great question. And I think, although I might not have the perfect answer, is that we have been in lockdown for two years on and off, and that's done a great job in preventing the transmission of COVID, but also all of these other common viruses. But it means that children have then had two years of their life where they haven't been exposed to them. And so we're having about two years worth of children getting sick all at once. So while it might feel like we're seeing much more numbers, it's because we've had that lag period. That is reflected in what we're seeing on the wards because we're seeing more younger children under the age of two being admitted with more serious respiratory illness. And as you say, those kids just haven't had the opportunity to experience these viruses and they haven't strengthened their immune system to be able to fight them if they they see them again. So, you know, and particularly children under one, um, we're seeing a lot of those infants um, needing some support in the hospital if they test positive. And of course, now that people are being tested for these viruses, in some cases, parents are finding their child might have more than one at the same time. So they're positive for COVID and flu or perhaps COVID and RSV, and that gets parents pretty worried. But important to reassure them that it doesn't necessarily mean their child will be any sicker. And in fact, it can be quite common for children to have two different types of viruses at the same time. The important thing is not so much the test results, but to pay attention to how your child is looking and whether they're unwell when deciding if you need to see a doctor. So do we expect then, you think, Suze, that this might improve in seasons to come? Obviously, we don't know. But one of those big questions parents have out there is, you know, is this ever going to end? I think it will. And I think also as spring and summer comes along as well, it will dissipate. And I would hope that next winter, fingers crossed, won't be as bad.
So we might move on to talking a bit more about recognising when your child is unwell. And you've mentioned some of those really important signs already, Suzanne. So parents at home might be thinking, how do I tell if this is more serious? You know, when does it move from cough, cold, runny nose into something that might need medical attention? And where should I go? Great question. So the two things that I advise parents to look out for is how is their child feeding and how hard is their child breathing? And if they're concerned about that, then they should, as a first step, see their GP or go to the, one of the new GP respiratory clinics that have been set up for just this type of situation. However, if they're feeling actually in their gut that something is really wrong, then they should, of course, seek more urgent medical help. Yeah, and so that gut feeling sometimes also comes from the child just not looking right, pale, listless, not responding as well. Um, and as you said, you know, if they're not drinking. And you mentioned before some of those signs of working harder to breathe. And, and the other one that I often point out to parents is the indrawing at, at the base of the neck, um, where you can see that little area of skin going in and out. Um, we call that a tracheal tug. That's where the windpipe is being sucked in a little bit. And as you said, that that indrawing under the ribs and that impression that the child is just working harder to breathe, those are the sorts of signs that we encourage parents to go to the emergency department. Um, and as you said, you know, GPs and um, emergency departments are really busy at the moment, but we do want to try and encourage parents to take their child into the community to see a GP or to visit a respiratory clinic if they can. We had another question from a parent on Facebook from Candice about virtual ED or emergency departments. So the Northern Hospital here in Victoria has set up a virtual emergency department. Candice asked, you know, if we're in regional Victoria and we're trying to get access to care or a review for our child, can we access that service? Anthea, so my understanding is that it's a statewide service. So yes, they can. And they will be seen virtually by a nurse or a doctor who can then help the parents decide if they need to come into an emergency department and which emergency department. And often the best emergency department is the one closest to the family's house. Fantastic. So lots of different pathways to access help. We know it's hard out there for parents at the moment. But as you say, if you're worried about your child, follow your instincts um, and make sure that you do get medical help. And it's just also worth mentioning probably that um, some, most GPs, I think if, if a child has respiratory symptoms, require them to have a COVID test before they can go to the general practice, which I think is important to note. Um, but of course, yes, telehealth does offer great flexibility for parents where they can connect virtually with the doctor and at least get an idea, should they come into their clinic or another clinic or should they go straight to the emergency department? And as clinicians, we can see a lot over telehealth. Um, obviously, it's not perfect it doesn't fit every situation. It's also a great way for us to help teach or educate parents as to what to look out for. I actually had a, a consultation yesterday in outpatients with a mum and she said, oh, oh, my child's got a cold and seems to be breathing a bit more quickly and, and put the phone and, you know, uh, so that I could see the child's breathing and she pulled up the top and I was able to say, look, she does have some mild work of breathing, but she's feeding well. She was pink and, and vigorous and kicking around. So I said, no, you're okay. You can sit tight. You don't need to go um, right into the clinic now, which she was relieved about. What can we do to actually prevent our kids getting sick. So lots of parents out there saying, what can I do? How can we stop this happening? So thankfully, we've actually had a lot of practice already with COVID. So we are experts at preventing the transmission of the COVID virus, but also all these other respiratory illnesses as well. So there is important hygiene things, such as making sure that you cough into your elbow or into a tissue, 
keeping your kids home if they're unwell, using masks when we're out and about, and also vaccination for the prevention such as flu. Okay, so maybe I'll just ask one more question there about masks. So that's been a big topic at the moment. And what is your recommendation when it comes to masks and kids? So the younger kids, it's going to be very tricky for them to wear masks. But if they are able to tolerate it, we do know that it does reduce the transmission. And I would encourage it because it also will reduce the transmission of all these other snotty nose viruses that we're all being inundated with at the moment. And of course, as adults, we can wear a mask like we all are now. And that can help stop some of that spread in the family too, because RSV is not just for kids. We can get it, of course, as well as adults. Mm, Absolutely. And some of our adult colleagues are seeing lots of cases at the moment. And Suze, you mentioned vaccination. And I think really important to just say again how important it is for kids to get the flu vaccine this year. I know parents have heard this a lot, but we know that kids over the age of six months can get the flu vaccine. And in the first year they have the vaccine, they need two doses a month apart. And I think parents are doing a great job. You know, we're seeing really good um, uh, flu vaccine coverage this year. And excitingly, it looks like the COVID vaccine is on the very near horizon now for children under the age of five. We've seen the TGA approve the Moderna vaccine for for the preschool age group, and we're just waiting for a target to make recommendations. So worth just saying that vaccines have an important role, but those other measures that you mentioned are just so critical. And I would say the most important almost is if your child is sick, they do need to stay home. Oh, it's so tough and it seems like they're always sick, but it really does help stop that transmission. We know it's incredibly hard, especially for parents working, and we've had such an interrupted couple of years, but there is no doubt that it is a really important part of stopping the spread of these infections. Just one question about vaccines while we've got you here as well, Margie, as our our vaccine expert. We did have a couple of parents ask about RSV and whether there's a vaccine for RSV. Gosh, there's been many, 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 many years um, of work put into trying to develop RSV vaccines. Most of that work has actually been on trying to develop a vaccine to be given to mums in pregnancy, to so maternal vaccination to try and help protect infants in the first six months of life. And that work is still ongoing. But actually for RSV, there's um, something called a monoclonal antibody or a treatment um, that has actually been around longer. And we can use that to protect some children children as well who are at higher risk of RSV, um, sort of an injection that's given monthly to, to help those kids who are more vulnerable. A vaccine for children is again still being developed, but we don't have it yet. So a long answer, but you know, as Sue said earlier, RSV has been around forever. Um, we've been dealing with it. It's been sort of really um, having a big impact on children every year for a long time. Um, so hopefully the RSV vaccines for kids are not far away. Fantastic. And Suze, you mentioned before that winter will end and this seasonal kind of feeling that we're stuck in never-ending sickness at the moment, uh, there will be some light at the end of the tunnel. Absolutely. Almost there. (laughs) Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us today. That's been an incredibly helpful discussion and I'm sure for parents out there answered some important questions about these common respiratory illnesses and as we've heard about RSV but of course COVID and the flu and other things that are around at the moment. So thank you so much for coming here today Suzanne and taking some time away from the very busy wards to share your advice with us. Oh thank you for having me today. It's been a pleasure. 
Today's episode has been recorded on July 27th, 2022. And of course, in these current challenging times of COVID and other illnesses, really important to remind parents to touch base with their local up-to-date government resources for current advice and directions. We've also recorded some previous episodes on related topics such as cough, croup and wheeze and we'll link to those episodes as well. And of course we've got our Kids Health Info fact sheets with lots of this information written down for parents to look at too so we'll provide those links as well. Thanks everyone for listening. Information provided in this podcast is general in nature and is intended to support, not replace, discussions with your doctor or healthcare professional. If you are concerned about your child, please consult your local healthcare professional for further advice.